I wasn't sure what book to go to next, and I thought, well, there's a whole collection of books that were written by Paul, and but then do you start with Acts? Because Acts is where the story about Paul's conversion comes up, because Paul was originally um, a very strong Jew that persecuted Christians, and he had an incident when he was, I think, going to, or it was something about Damascus, going to or going from, I can't remember which, but he encountered Jesus and he saw the vision of Jesus, which said to him and knocked him off his horse too, and said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul lost his eyesight when he had that fall. And he was told by Jesus when he saw him to go to a specific person, and um, and then when Paul was obedient to what Jesus said, then his eyesight was restored, and thereafter he was on a mission, and he was preaching everywhere about Jesus because he his life truly was converted. So he went from being a staunch Jew, if you want to call it that persecuting Christians, hating Christians, destroying the ones. In fact, he was even present when Stephen was stoned. So he was he was a part of that. And this is another great example, too, of how, how God takes someone, the unlikely person. In fact, in some of the writings about Paul, people were kind of concerned because of his reputation. And they were concerned, like, this guy was just persecuting Christians, and now he's coming around here. You know, they would, people were skeptical of him. But that just shows how God uses people. It's it's unbelievable. It's not like his, his ways are much greater than ours, and we don't understand them all the time. But God has a purpose with each person, and he some are chosen for really significant things and others, you know, just have a purpose and, you know, a minimal role. Um, But Paul had a significant role in scripture. And so anyway, a couple times I I was praying about like, what's the next chapter to go into? And um, I was thinking about doing some of the short ones, but then um, after prayer and how I usually go to the Bible, it's like, I just say, okay, God, show me what you want me to read or tell me today. And twice it came to Corinthians. So I'm going to go start with Corinthians. And what I noticed also from my study Bible is that the books that are in order, um, these are all letters that Paul wrote to different places that he visited. And the way that they're arranged in the Bible are not according to when they were written. It's not like this one was written first, so it comes first, and they are not alphabetical either. So I don't have any idea how they were organized in here, but it's it's kind of interesting. They're all mixed up. So I think I will start with Corinthians because that's where um, it seemed to me that we that was the direction, and I will then go through. I guess after Corinthians, I will go back to. Um, Galatians, because that appears to be the earliest one that was written, and then it goes through time. So getting to the study, 1 Corinthians, um, from my study Bible, I'll read, why read this book? Fights, 
rumors, factions. It's all here in 1 Corinthians. Few other books of scripture reveal the human weakness of Christians as vividly as this book does. Some other topics include how do you deal with a sex-crazed society, divorce, when is it justified, can Christians sue, get ready, you're about to encounter God's perspective on some hot topics. You'll also read about how the church must seek unity as we learn to love one another with all of our shortcomings. And in the process, you'll see how the church can impact today's world. It's pretty interesting because that is very timely right now because it sounds like what's described here, it sounds like the world we're living in right at this moment. So to whom was this written? Christians in Corinth, an important commercial city in Greece. And when was it written? Two or three years after leaving the church he'd started in Corinth, Paul heard disturbing reports. Strife and division were seriously threatening the young church. Some had become spiritually arrogant, leading to further problems such as sexual misconduct, wrongs against other believers, abuse of spiritual gifts, and misunderstanding of basic Christian teachings. Paul wrote this letter to restore balance to the church. When was it written? Probably in A.D. 55, at the close of Paul's three-year stay in Ephesus. What to look for in 1 Corinthians. Paul gave the Corinthians what they needed, straightforward advice. Watch for direct, practical information relevant to Christian living and church relationships. You will also encounter great inspiration in these pages. Much of what the Bible has to say about spiritual gifts is found here. It is also it also offers uplifting words about love and the future resurrection. Maybe all that is very timely. Very timely. Okay. Chapter 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Not sure if I pronounced that right. To the church of God in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So first of all, we know that this is written to people who called themselves Christians. This wasn't not, was not written to unbelievers. This was written to believers. So, getting back to scripture. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, Do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what in what you say and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought my brothers and sisters some from Chloe's household have informed me that there 
are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I ba- I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I can't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So that's important. People who are unsaved think it's ridiculous, think this whole thing about the cross is ridiculous. It's not meaningful. It's not important. But those who believe understand what it means. It means that's the the way that the way to eternity with God, the way to immortal, eternal life in a beautiful, created, new earth that God has in store for our future. Getting back to scripture. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save the... God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. So let's just stop right there. All these, let's just, I love this part of it because I kind of see it all the time. There's all these like really wise philosophers, really smart people that don't believe in God, that don't believe in Jesus. And they just go on and on about how intelligent they are and how ridiculous it is to believe in God or Jesus. And the Bible calls them out. Like all the believers know that these people, we need to have, be to have sympathy for them because their eyes are not opened yet and they could miss out on eternity. But it's just, that's that pride thing going on there. For some reason, who knows what's happening in that person's life, but the person who doesn't believe and are just saying how stupid it is for anybody to believe in God or believe in Jesus, they're thinking they're smarter than God. And they're thinking that they've got it all figured out and that they know all this stuff. Well, that's the person that God's going to humble. And someday God will humble. And we may see it. We may not. But if we're around when Jesus returns, that's when we'll definitely see it if we're around when that happens. But it's it's just it's just interesting because those who so openly speak against religion not well not religion i don't not that but about god about god and jesus um who deny them and they're they think they're so right with it um it's just you know this was back in the day too the same thing back in paul's day 
the same experience was happening. So it's seeming like 1 Corinthians is a book that we're going to be able to relate to because it's all happening today too. So getting back to scripture, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the ones who see God as foolishness and Jesus as foolishness, it's a stumbling block for them. And But to those who God has called, which includes both Jews and Gentiles, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So power and wisdom are coming from God for those who God has called. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. It's all putting in everything in order. It's just like God said at times when people back in the Old Testament like, I I don't know, there were several of them where uh, God referred to himself as the potter and us as the clay. And does the clay tell the potter what to do? That's another one of those examples. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you, when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. And that's kind of interesting because God, he has this like upside down kind of a, a, you know, the first to be last and the last to be first and the foolish and the, the sinners that he calls and uses them for a significant purpose throughout the Bible. And he uses the least expected people, the humble, lowly people. Jesus himself came as a lowly person. He didn't come, he didn't come as even though he was the son of a king, God, but even though he was, he came as very humble. And I believe he was a Mason and, you know, he was, he came, you know, in fact, um, his time at Nazareth, um, there was a quote by one of the, his followers that said something to the effect of, does anything good come from Nazareth? So he didn't even come from a an affluent town or a respected town. It was, it was something that was kind of looked upon. And, and we can see that today. Like people will look at or define a person by what area they came from. And they'll already get a preconceived idea about who they are, who their family is. Well, Jesus comes from a background that nobody would be bragging about. And this is the thing about Jesus is that he is so he's teaching us all a lesson by all of this. And then it's a humbling thing because anybody who calls themselves a believer, look at what it says about us. Not many of you were wise by human standards and not many were influential and not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. So see, we all have purpose here. Uh, God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. 
God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. Is it because of him that you are in Christ? It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It's a good reminder for all of us. We don't have anything if it were not a gift from God that God gave us. Like any of the wisdom that we do have, you got to think about it. God created us. God gave it to us. Sure, he put certain people in front of us or we seek out those things, but God makes it all possible. So everything in our life, everything good comes from God. And it is, it's definitely humbling when you become a believer. You have to look at yourself and realize where you are on the rank of things like where God is and where we are. And it is humbling. You have to humble yourself. Getting back to scripture, chapter two. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. That's such an awesome thing to think about. Like when we believe, when we believe what Jesus taught, and we believe our faith grows through reading scripture. So we're getting all of our answers through scripture because all the answers are in here. It just takes us seeking to find the answers to the questions that we have, but they're in here. And once we believe, then we can ask Jesus for the Holy Spirit, which he receives from God, the Father, and gives to us. As long as the intent of our our heart, like our true intentions, true internal intentions are that we want to follow God because God's not going to give the Holy Spirit to someone with evil, bad intentions. And that's a wonderful thing. But people with good intentions that God knows the heart, they're going to get the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what will give wisdom and power. So it's again, all of us submitting ourselves, that's the surrender to God to let God's power and wisdom guide our life. Not rely on our own, but rely on the Spirit of God to guide us. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory Before time began, none of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared 
for those who love him. That is pretty awesome. Um, that comes from, let's see, it's usually referenced down here. Um, I can't see which that is. I will find it in a minute. Um, that's E. Our spirit interpreting spiritual truths who are spiritual. I don't see where that is. Okay. Well, sorry, where it's written. But um, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. And what's really cool about that is we just, there's going to be a um, something that God surprises us with. Um, and those who are in Christ will be surprised in a good way because surprises can be bad or they can be good. But if you're in Christ, then that means you are, um, you've received the Holy Spirit and you have been, you're willing to be obedient. You're willing to be guided by the Spirit and you'll let the Spirit guide. And when you get that feeling of, I know what the right thing is to do, but I don't want to do it. And you do the right thing. That's obedience to God. So getting back to scripture, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The Church and its Leaders, Chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. 
You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So I'm going to pause a minute because I got clarity when I was reading that. It has to do with those who are mature in the spirit, who have learned from the word of God and who understand what is being revealed here. Paul, in a way, sometimes I remember reading it, just kind of being confused by it at the beginning and then understanding it more. But I understand all this now with the, um, it'll be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. I think that has to do with the truth and it has to do with the, the second coming of Jesus Christ when by fire, we're going to all be tested and this is something, this is like a, a true reality that we all have to think about and prepare for because we do see Christians being persecuted in a, an increasing way in mainly other countries, a little bit here, but not like other countries. Other countries are uh, experiencing uh, being killed for their faith. And we haven't yet seen that here, um, although if scripture, well, scripture always holds true, it does say it's going to come upon the whole earth. So if we are present when Jesus returns, then we are going to experience it. And do we have the kind of faith that will endure where we will not deny Christ if it comes down to us no longer being, no longer being able to participate in society, um, if we are not allowed to buy or sell, if we don't have a mark in our hand or in our forehead, which is the mark of the beast that is in prophecy that is in the future coming, and if we if we if our faith is not strong enough to accept reject that because it says that anyone who takes the mark in their hand or in their forehead and it's something that you're not going to be able to buy or sell if you don't have it but anybody who takes that will not be forgiven because they have chosen basically alliance with death and they will be eternally separated from God so right now you know whatever people believe kind of it's pretty uh, whatever, anything goes at the moment, it's not going to stay like that. It's going to be a life and death situation. And that's where it's really important to have a firm foundation on what you believe. And if you're shaky in faith, 
the only way to not or to grow in faith or to get unshaky is to actually read scripture and get your questions answered. Talk to somebody about the doubts that you have. Um, don't be afraid about it. If you're seeking God, that's a good thing. And if you have doubts about something, ask. Find somebody who knows, who studied it longer, who knows um, scripture, and get your questions answered because it's gonna. there's going to be a point in time where your faith is going to have to be strong enough where you'd be willing to to die if it came for that and not deny Jesus Christ. So that's going to separate a lot of Christians because there's a lot of Christians that go to church and they do all the check the box, you know, like make it, everybody thinks they look good on the outside. They look like they're Christian. They could sing about God. They can do all this stuff. They can do all this outwardly stuff that makes them look holy. But when it comes down to it, think about it. Do you think everybody who proclaims Jesus' name right now, if it came down to, you're going to die if you don't deny Christ. How many people are going to accept that and be willing to die for that? That's going to really separate a lot of Christians. And our role here on earth, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a believer, is to build each other up so that when that day comes, that we will be strong enough to endure and therefore inherit the eternal, the eternal life that God has promised for us. So getting back to scripture, um, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. There's justice that will be served. That's about all I got out of that paragraph. Do, then back to scripture. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God.